Humans are storytellers. During our species time on Earth, countless myths have been born, endless legends spun. Folk tales, fables, and fairy tales are among the most enduring examples of our capacity for storytelling. In the distant future, when humanity has established itself firmly as an interplanetary species, what tales might have emerged along the way? What stories might Martian settlers tell each other during long, cold nights on the Red Planet? What myths might arise as humans spread across the solar system and eventually reach for the stars? This is Space Age Folk Tales. This episode's folktale arose in the 2350s, but it recounts events that supposedly took place roughly 100 years earlier. The story is set during the war between the Martian colonies and the Earth nations who established them. As new generations were born on the Red Planet, and the colonies became dominated by those who had never seen Earth in person, it was inevitable that some would become resentful of the Earth nation's rule over them. The war eventually spawned by that resentment was bloody and destructive, tragically fitting for a planet named after the Roman god of war. In the years after Mars finally drove away Earth's forces, many myths and legends about the war sprung up. The one you are about to hear includes real history, but it also features a strain of Martian folklore we last heard about in episode 2 of this podcast. Mythical little people like fairies and elves. The story of the fairy in the rocks from episode 2, however, featured a creature that was an earth being through and through. A creature of the green wilderness that had traveled to Mars through unknown means. The titular little gray men of this story, however, provide an entirely different example of Martian little people mythology. This is the story of Alexander and the Little Gray Men, author unknown. In the days of the Great War, which shook the ground of Mars and brought an end to many lives, there lived a young boy named Alexander, who found himself and his family caught up in the fighting near the Martian equator. Alexander lived in the city of Insight, which was a fine enough city, but a small one small enough that when the armies of Earth came to seize it, its people were hardly able to put up a fight. Before the city was fully captured, the family hid itself away in a pressurized rover, stolen by Alexander's father, who worked in the rover yards. Once they had procured the rover and hidden themselves away in it, Alexander's father piloted the vessel into a hidden spot near the back of the rover yards, and there they waited until night fell. When the sun had vanished behind the mountains, the rover stirred from its hiding place, and Alexander's father drove it out and away from the captive city, aware that they might be spotted at any moment by the invaders within it. When the rover had made it some distance from the city, and it was concealed from their sight by an array of hills, he hid it away within the mouth of a canyon, and there within the rover, the family availed themselves of what meager bedtime accommodations there were to be found inside the cramped vehicle that, it now seemed, 
was to serve as their living quarters until such a time as they could make it to the city of Po, which was not too far away, and which they knew to be very well defended. Po, Alexander's father thought to himself, was where he and his family would find sanctuary, provided they survived the journey there, which would be treacherous and take several days. But these darker thoughts were ones Alexander's father did not wish to share with his family, and so he kept them to himself. It was on that very first night in the rover that Alexander was awoken by a faint rapping noise that seemed to be coming from outside the vehicle, just beside him. He sat upright in his seat and glanced out the window, but he was greeted only by the dark, looming wall of the canyon and the faint glow of starlight through the crevice above them. His mother and father still slept soundly, and Alexander had almost convinced himself that he had imagined the noise, when it sounded again, a little louder this time. He glanced outside again, and nearly fell from his seat with fright as he was met with the grinning, ghoulish face of a little gray man who stood on the other side of the window. Alexander screamed, and the noise immediately woke his parents, who rushed to his side and began comforting him. Upon seeing that there was nothing amiss, they began to reassure him that he had merely been having a nightmare. Alexander pointed out the window and exclaimed, No, I really saw something out there. It was an ugly little gray man. He was barely tall enough to look in through the window, and he had an evil grin on his face. Alexander's parents exchanged a glance. It's okay, honey, said his mother. You were probably just having a nightmare. There are no little gray men on Mars. Nothing can survive out there without a spacesuit, remember? But both of Alexander's parents knew that there might be things much more dangerous than little gray men out there in the darkness. Things like people from Earth with guns and chains. So Alexander's father climbed into his spacesuit using the suit port near the back of the rover and made his way out into the night. After withdrawing a rifle from a hidden compartment near the rover's rear wheels, he circled the vehicle several times, moving slowly and searching every nook with the dim light of his headlamp. There was nothing to be found. Nothing moved but the shadows under his light. After a few minutes of this, Alexander's father reattached his suit to the back of the rover and clambered back inside. Did you see anything? His wife asked. Alexander's father shook his head. Not a hint of Earth out there, he reported. It wasn't a man from Earth, Alexander broke in with a shrill voice. It wasn't an Earthling or a Martian or like anything I've ever seen before. It was a little gray man. His mother leaned down. You had a nightmare, dear. That's to be expected. This is a scary situation. I know this is hard, Alexander. But we'll be at Poe in just a few days, added his father. There's nothing to be afraid of. The people from Earth are far too focused on insight and the cities to the north to chase one little rover. And there are no little gray men out there. With some more hushing and urging, young Alexander was coaxed into laying back down into his reclined seat. With some more hushing and urging, young Alexander was coaxed into laying back down in his reclined seat and closing his eyes. Yet he knew what he had seen. And it had not been a spy from Earth, nor had it been a nightmare. And the knowledge of this kept him from sleeping soundly all night long. In the morning, Alexander's father steered the rover out of the canyon and brought it puttering across the open plains once again 
hoping desperately that they could avoid being seen and find cover again soon. There was still no sign of pursuit, but he knew troops from Earth would still be swarming the area, and could appear from the rocks and hills at any moment. Perhaps they wouldn't venture too deep into the vast wilderness that yawned between Insight and Poe. He could only hope. All day they traveled across the plains, and soon enough, they were able to find ground hilly enough to lessen their fears of being spotted. The rover was not built for travel across such a long distance, and the going was slow. The whole way, there was no sign of the armies from Earth. Safe for the twirling of a few distant, faint dust devils, the landscape was as dead and unmoving as one would expect the great Martian wilderness to be. As night finally began to fall, Alexander's father drove the rover into a shallow depression among a patch of closely packed hills. Alexander was filled with foreboding and dread as the shadows on the ground grew longer and longer, until finally the sun sank beneath the horizon and the blue sunset sky gave way to deep, black night. Alexander didn't want to go to sleep, but his parents insisted that it was time for bed, and after much coaxing, the boy was finally convinced to recline his seat and shut his eyes. His parents went to their own makeshift beds, and when Alexander heard that their breathing had grown deep and steady, he opened his eyes and stared out the window his heart pounding as he watched for the grisly face of that little gray man to appear in the window once again, hoping against hope that they had left the creature behind in the canyon. His gaze moved to Phobos, which hung in the sky just above the very peak of a hill not too far from the rover, and he tried to draw comfort from the presence of its faint light. His eyelids soon began to flutter. At one point, they closed entirely for a few seconds and then they snapped back open as young Alexander recommitted himself to his terror-born night vigil. His eyes flickered back up toward Phobos, and his blood seemed to freeze in his veins. A small figure stood at the top of the hill, blotting out the light from the faint moon Alexander had gazed upon just moments ago. Its features were hidden in shadow, but Alexander could tell from the form and profile of the thing that it was the very same in appearance as the ugly little gray man who had grinned at him through his window the night before. Alexander sat up, a scream catching in his throat and escaping as barely a whimper. And then he heard it, a scrabbling noise beside him. He slowly turned his head, and to his inexpressible horror, he saw another of the little gray men sitting on the floor of the rover not three feet from him turning over a small wrench in its hands and peering at it. As Alexander sat transfixed with horror, unable to move and scarcely able to breathe, the little gray man looked up at him with a grin. Alexander could tell this was not the same being he had seen outside his window last night. Its features were even more grotesque, its eyes more bulbous, its ears more pointed and twisted. It was undoubtedly another of the same kind and yet its malicious, taunting grin appeared identical to the one that had greeted Alexander the previous night. As Alexander watched, the creature set the wrench down and put a finger to its lips. And then suddenly, it was gone, as though it had never been there at all. Now Alexander screamed with all his might and threw himself against his seat, 
huddling there and trembling as his parents shot up and raced to his side. It was inside, groaned Alexander, as his parents tried to comfort him. It was inside the rover, I saw it. He glanced back out the window. Gentle Phobos weaved its graceful path through the stars, and there was no sign of the dark figure at the top of the hill. Alexander's parents tried to calm him down, but he would not be consoled. His wild panic slowly gave way to quiet, withdrawn terror, and he pulled his knees close to his chest, rocking back and forth slightly in his seat as his parents tried to convince him that he had simply had another nightmare and had nothing to fear. Alexander refused to sleep for the rest of the night. By the rise of the sun, his parents were exhausted and irritated, but Alexander's father dutifully climbed back into his place behind the wheel of the rover, and the vehicle lurched forward to resume its ponderous journey across the rusty desert. The warm light of the sun shone down on the landscape. Rocks and hills that had been shrouded in darkness could now be fully seen and as he gazed out the window of the meandering rover, Alexander's fear began to dissipate. As the rover crawled across the desert, the sun climbed through the sky. By the time they stopped for lunch, it had reached its apex, and when they began moving again, it had begun to slide toward the horizon. The hours slipped away, and as long shadows fell across the land and the gloom of twilight began to engulf the world once more, Alexander began to feel twinges of fear again. He kept thinking he'd spotted one of the gray sprites out of the corner of his eye, but when he turned his head, he saw only a rock or a shadow. By the time night had fully covered the land, he was gripping the arms of his seat so tightly that his knuckles turned white. When the rover stopped once again, this time at the bottom of a small, shallow crater, Alexander could not be persuaded to lay back down in his reclined seat. They'll come again tonight, he whimpered. They're horrible and they got in the rover. Please don't make me go to bed. His father knelt beside him. Deep, dark circles set in place by worry and exhaustion sat under his eyes. Son, he said, we all need our rest. And you can't let these little gray men keep you up every night. We still have a day or so of traveling before we reach Poe, and there will be much to do when we get there. You're a very smart boy, and I know you realize how scary this situation is, but we're going to make it, okay? Alexander looked away, forcing back tears. His parents still didn't believe him. Okay, he muttered. His father sighed. Look, if you see any of these gray creatures again tonight, just tell them to leave you alone, and then try to go back to sleep. They can't really do anything to you, added his mother. They're just trying to scare you, Alexander. Just tell them you're not afraid, and then roll over and close your eyes. They'll get bored and leave. That's right, said his father. All they want is to make you scared, Alexander. If you don't let them have that, they'll go away, okay? I promise. Alexander nodded. Okay, he repeated. Maybe his parents were right. What if the little gray men really did just want to scare him? They were doing an awfully good job at that, and it almost seemed intentional, so that would make sense. 
Yes, thought Alexander, as he finally lay down, and his parents retreated to their places. That did make sense. If they came back tonight, he resolved, he would do as his parents had said. He would tell the Grey Men that they were not welcome in the rover, and then he would ignore them until they got bored and left. He lay on his side, jaw clenched, staring at the wall and trying not to tremble with fear as images of his encounters with the creatures rushed through his mind. He heard his father's breathing grow deeper, followed by his mother's a couple minutes later, and then his blood froze as he heard a gentle clattering from behind him. Summoning all of his courage, he rolled over and nearly shrieked out loud as he found that his face was suddenly mere inches from that of one of the little gray men. Its grinning maw stretched wide before him, and its head was tilted sideways to nearly match his position on the reclined seat. Alexander was paralyzed by fear, and he could hardly remember what his parents had told him. He and the creature stared at each other for a few moments, their gazes locked on one another, and then Alexander croaked, Get out. The creature took a step back, and Alexander almost believed that it would obey him and leave the rover. Then, to his utter shock and horror, it began to speak. No, it rasped in a voice as ancient and dusty as the Martian desert. We have been here since your earth was nothing more than a boiling wasteland. We have watched the surface of our world fade from green to red, and will be here when the surface of yours does the same. We have seen moons collide and form, mountains rise and fall, seas vanish like mist. We will not leave, not even when the sun has swallowed your planet whole. But you have come to our sleeping home world, and made it a field of war. If you will not leave your fighting on Earth, then it is you who must leave. The creature's grin was gone now, replaced by an ugly sneer that was, to Alexander's eyes, even worse. I- I'm sorry, stammered Alexander. I'm just a kid. I don't like the war either. It's the people from Earth. They brought the war here. You are all from Earth, said the creature. Alexander shook his head. No. People like me and my family, we want to live here. We're Martians. I've never even been to Earth. The people from Earth just want to stop us from living here without relying on them and following their rules. That's what my dad says. The time between the very first forerunners of your civilization and your first landing on this planet is not even a fraction of a blink of an eye to our kind, said the creature. To us, you are all from Earth. Okay, said Alexander, cowed by the note of finality in the creature's voice. Why are you here, in the rover? Why were you looking in through my window? Why were you smiling so evilly? Our smiles were not meant to appear evil. Perhaps.
perhaps we should have been more sensitive to your perceptions. Regardless, we had to burn this encounter into your mind, said the creature, its eyes boring into him. And we had to be sure about you. The end of the war will come in time. But peace is another matter. You will remember this night, Alexander. And in your life, you must help move this world closer to peace. Your contributions will be minuscule in the endless universal struggle between war and peace. But at least they will be. Now, Alexander, go on to the city of Poe. There is safety and shelter there, at least for now. You will survive this war, and your life must not be lived in vain. The creature waved a hand, and Alexander's vision blurred. All of a sudden, he was laying on his side in his makeshift bed, and sunlight was streaming in through the windows of the rover which he could feel rolling and bumping along beneath him. He sat up, heart-pounding. He felt rested enough. Had it been a dream? No. Not any more than his previous encounters with the creatures had been. His mother must have seen him out of the corner of her eye, for she twisted in her seat and caught his eye with a smile. How did you sleep? she asked. Did any little gray men visit you? Alexander hesitated for a moment. Then said, Yes, one did, but I told him to go away. Just like you said. And he did. That's great to hear, said his father from behind the steering wheel. And you'll be happy to know that we should be able to reach Poe by nightfall. Alexander stared out the window as the rover moved along, just thinking about what had happened. So the little gray men had been observing him, and making themselves known at the same time. They wanted him to know about them. They wanted to make an impression. He wasn't sure he understood everything the creature had said about peace and war and life, but he had heard enough, and he understood that the little gray man had wanted him to remember his experience. They reached Poe just as the sun began to touch the horizon. Just as the creature had promised, it was a safe place. No Earth armies yet surrounded it, and the gatekeepers were more than happy to let Alexander and his family enter after rigorously searching them and their rover. The war lasted for years after that, but the day came that the nations of Earth could no longer justify expending so much effort to try and reclaim their independent-minded and firmly entrenched colonies. Although Poe came under attack several times, it never fell, and Alexander spent much of his young life there, learning and growing. Shortly after the war's conclusion, he and his family returned to the city of Insight and assisted in rebuilding and reorganizing it. It had been held for years by the armies of Earth, and it took some effort to shake off the impact of the occupation. But as with all the cities on Mars, Insight was resilient and it was able to bounce back. Alexander never forgot his conversation with the little gray man inside his rover, and it influenced him for the rest of his life. In fact, 
it is likely that you already know the rest of his story. If you are already inclined toward history, you may have already caught on to Alexander's identity. Regardless, you will likely recognize his full name. Alexander Sprouts, the fearless diplomat who strode into the heart of Utopia Planitia, in the midst of the tensions between the colonies there and the Southwest Bloc, and brokered a peace deal that brought years of skirmishes and threats of war to an end. A peace deal that is still upheld today, and is credited with the relative peace that exists all across Mars. It seems that Alexander learned a lesson from the Little Grey Men, and lived by it until the day that he died. Some say the Little Grey Men are still out there, living just beneath the surface of Mars. One can only hope that such ancient beings are now pleased with how we conduct ourselves. Thanks in large part to people like Alexander, Mars is mostly at peace today. If we all remember our common heritage as humans and as Martians, then with any luck, that peace will remain for years to come. Thank you for listening to this episode of Space Age Folk Tales. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating and a review. Be sure to check out our social media accounts, which are linked in the description. Also be sure to check the description to see where I got the sound effects and music I used in this episode. Thanks again.